Hello and welcome back to this week's podcast. So this week I am joined by none other than one of the two tax duo. In this episode we spoke at length about tax for employees, tax for the self-employed, tax on rental income, tax on shares and varying tax implications for people working in Dubai. So the tax duo spoke no end about all of the described taxes and provided us with a great foundation for individuals who've no clue when it comes to tax. So I also included two articles below written by me that I will be, that I believe will be of use and reiterate everything I have discussed within this podcast. So check them out if there are certain concepts discussed within this podcast um, that you might feel a bit lost with. So while the tax duo and I tried to simplify everything as much as possible, tax is very complicated as you'll learn throughout this podcast so therefore it's not always understandable immediately. Our conversation described various taxes and scenarios that I believe everyone should be aware of when it comes to tax and there is certainly something that everyone who listens will be able to take something from this conversation. So one thing worth mentioning before we begin is I reckon anyone listening should take a pen and paper for notes. Uh, There's a lot of information discussed here and one won't be able simply won't be able to retain it all by memory so if possible take notes as one goes and on that note let's get started yeah and that's the thing like because tax changes all the time um, so you're always like just trying to be up to date on everything, which is like kind of impossible in, in its own way. But um, that's what kind of makes it interesting because you might have researched something and that was the law maybe five years ago. And then you're looking at it again today and it's just changed. Like it could be a rates or exemption or some just a case even on it. Um, you always have to be kind of on top of your game in tax, which is why probably people like it and stay in it for so long. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I found even uh, I was looking at my payslip one day and I was um, I was going over like the tax I was charged and stuff and I was using the thresholds of like 35, 300. It was like January, I think. And yeah. then I realized I was like, oh, shit, they've changed again. So I had to redo the whole thing. But you're so right in what you say that like you have to remain up to date all the time. A lot of things that I've learned in it as well is, you know, there's a lot of things you wouldn't realize they're tax. Like I'd never have thought about certain transactions before. And then all of a sudden you were learning about if you sold a property or if you received a gift or an inheritance and like various taxes that would have applied in those situations. Yeah, basically taxes and everything. Like <laughs> I even today I was looking at an article and um, all the petrol and diesel have gone up and then the government is going to reduce the excise duty. So like there's taxes and everything indirectly, even if you don't see it, you know, on your receipt or anything, it's still there and you're still paying for it. <laughs> it's what's yeah. uh, running the country, basically. Yeah, it's so true. Even I always think about when you're paying your wages and like, of course you're obviously taxed on them, but then you go in and buy goods in the shop with those wages and then you're paying VAT on those goods. It's true what you say, it's just never ending. Yeah, but someone has to pay for the roads <laughs> and the Lewis and everything. So yeah, it's an indirect cost. Just to begin with, I might just ask you, like firstly, actually, is it just your Instagram page that you have or do you have a website as well that people can go to or how are you set up? Yeah, so initially it is just Instagram and that's where we would have most of our content up. We do have a TikTok, which is also tax due. And then our inbox, like email inbox, 
is full of queries from people who can't get through to us on Instagram. At the moment, we don't have a website we are kind of talking about. So yeah, watch the space, maybe down the line once we have kind of more of a structure and just what we're doing, we'll uh, definitely look into it. But at the moment, it's just Instagram, basically. I know there's definitely like a lot to contend with and manage. Like I can only imagine in the effort, the work and effort that goes into the Instagram itself, like not to mind anything else then on top of that. And then I have touched on it slightly, but why did you decide to set up the page and inform people? And what was kind of your rationale behind it in the first place? Yeah, so it's funny. Um, there, it's tax due, it's two of us. And we actually met doing the tax exams a couple of years ago. And we've just stayed in touch kind of since then. I think maybe a month or two into the lockdown, we just started chatting one day and said, oh, why don't we set up an Instagram page and just like put up simple posts about tax, like nothing too detailed, just kind of general knowledge. And sure, you know yourself, like during lockdown, you don't have much to do. It's just one of our, one of those little projects that we just started kind of in our spare time. And yeah, it's like nearly a, a year later now and we have about four, over 4,000 followers and yeah, the content is just growing and growing. So yeah, it started something very small and now I feel like people are sending our profile onto other people in other countries. So yeah, no, it's been really good and we just love helping people. I think there's like a gap between like, let's say the big four, like EY, KPMG, Deloitte and then people who just don't want to pay to get tax services but they don't understand it either so by just simplifying it you help people so much and they start thinking about it as well and that's where all the people start asking more questions and they get more interested and it's just people should be able to understand what is on their pay slip basically yeah totally because it's like we said taxes it applies to everything and Mm -hmm. I'm the same I've had many like friend or people I know who would come to me and simple things like they wouldn't know how to read their payslip and while it seems like an easy task they actually it is actually made quite difficult and of course like there's specific terms used within it then which can be hard for people to understand and like you said the stuff you share on your page began simplistic or whatever but that's the information that people need because I find even if you go to revenue.ie or if you go online and you type your specific question into Google the answer is actually really hard to find and it's not really clarified mm-hmm. for people yeah and that's the thing and like just your pace that like you're getting it every month and I'd say some people don't even look at it and you might be over paying tax every month and that's fine you'll get it at the end of the year but like why are you paying it wrong in the first place you know solve the problem at first and then the amount of people that are on emergency tax and just don't know how do you fix this what do you do next why am i like why am i being taxed more their employer will never tell them on the first day oh go and register your employment like it's just not even it wouldn't even cross their mind yeah so it's up to you to get your own tax fares right and getting it right from the start we'll make sure you're paying the right tax at the right time and yeah just being knowledgeable of it. Like, definitely even I realized the importance of that this year because like you said you know I'd have always had that case sometimes when I'd have been younger and doing part-time jobs where you'd have paid emergency tax and you're losing mm-hmm. more at the beginning but then you obviously get it back at the end but I actually had the opposite problem this year where for the first month or two I wasn't charged USC mm-hmm. and then I realized because um let's say I wasn't working for summer last year when I was in college and stuff and I realized that it was because I hadn't earned enough within the year that I actually had to register myself 
and alert revenue to this. Otherwise, I would have been owing had I let it go on over time. Mm-hmm. And that's the other side of it. People are underpaying tax and then they get this bill at the end of the year and they're like, sure, my employer, why, why is it my fault? It should be their fault. They should have applied it in the first hand. And that's the thing. If you don't know it, you're just going to end up paying wrong for like 12 months or whatever months down the line. And then you're there with either a really high tax bill that you didn't expect. And so, yeah, I totally agree. It's something that I think a teenager should know coming out of college or secondary school definitely definitely yeah and just while we're touching on being informed and people needing to know different things of course there's your instagram page which is the tax duo for anyone who wants to look it up but are there any other ways that you'd recommend like people kind of keep themselves informed and keep up to date with tax as it's ever changing i guess like reading the paper um a lot of things that would be in discussions would be in the news but it could be so far down the line like something that is being discussed today might not be taxed or you know in legislation for another two years so it's really hard to be up to date with it and it is so complex to understand like if you open the legislation you will just not understand a word the way it's written it's written like such a weird way it's hard to say like stay up to date with us and even like the budget day every year usually there's really good sources that day will tell you what's happening in the following budget and um, that's a really good source yeah it's hard to know it is something that's not accessible and that's probably the other problem with don't know people just don't know where to look if they want to be informed a thousand percent yeah like even um i know on revenue like they they do out certain things and all but it's like you said they're still using kind of the archaic language so like that for people who wouldn't be in touch with tax like it's very hard to even interpret like you said go check out your instagram and keep up to date with that is a great way of knowing and keeping informed what are the basics do you think that everyone should be aware of what kind of would be the fundamentals you recommend every individual to know about I guess from the very start is PYE slash income tax, the general tax that I'd say everyone is liable to. And a lot of people don't realise, for example, selling clothes on Depop, that's a side hustle and that you're earning income on. And that is taxable, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Just any side job like grinds, things like that, that you wouldn't even think of and you're just doing it maybe as a hobby, but it's still income that you're earning and you're not being taxed at source. The other side of it is if you're earning, or let's say your side income under 5,000, you just put that income on your my account. Whereas if you're earning more than 5,000, you're obliged to register for income tax. And that's a whole total different system. And it gets a lot more complex. And most people do need a hand with that side. So yeah, it's just getting it right from the start. I think the team of tax um, and revenue have definitely started looking into people's tax affairs more now than they ever did before they would look at people by a certain transaction that might pop up or something that they didn't have before is coming in like rental income that you popped up this year but never had before just small things revenue will pick on and they will yeah start investigating that's never a good route to go down 
Yeah, it's very true. With everything having gone so online, it's a lot easier for them to kind of keep an eye on what's going on in people's bank accounts and their whatever else. But I'm actually, so out of interest, like if someone was, let's say, had a side hustle like Depop and that, firstly, how would revenue find out about that or how is it, would they come upon that? So there is no kind of direct reason why they would pick at you. But for example, financial institutions, if they see, uh, let's say, a lodgement of 2,000, 3,000, and every bank has different thresholds, if they see just a lump sum payment coming into your account, they're obliged to report that to revenue. And then revenue then decide whether they want to look into it further or just leave it. Like they will check your, say, your what's your employment? Like, is it often that you get these sort of payments? It could be something even, you know, so small. But yeah, most people don't know that financial institutions do actually flag your account if something suspicious or even just unusual comes in. And I guess this comes a lot, a lot. Of, look, so many people have started sending in questions. It's like, how will revenue know vibe crypto? And if you just, at one stage, you're going to have to sell crypto and you're going to get this lump sum payment into your bank account. And there is no way to hide it. Like, it's going to be there on the bank statement. Yeah. And yeah, it will be flagged. And then it's revenues kind of view if they want to go into it further or they will see they might give you know you have four years to go back on your tax affairs yeah. and let's say in four years they'll see for something now probably 2018 that still you haven't filed or paid any tax then they might start looking at it and the thing is what revenue they're not looking at your 2021 return or what's going on this year they're going back four years because okay. you have had the time to fix it basically so they're yeah they're not looking at any current kind of figures they're very laid back and behind I'd say <laughs> so yeah very interesting uh, yeah, no, yeah that's really interesting kind of the best way if someone that did, did find themselves in that situation where they were earning a bit of extra income the best way then I suppose would be to declare that online would it yeah 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 exactly declare it and um, you can amend your tax return four years back so if there was something, this is the time to fix it, amend it, pay the right tax, and even just get in touch. We'll help you like as much as we can. Something that we started doing recently actually was people would just send in their payslips and ask, are they paying the right tax? And we'll just do a quick review like for free just to see if there is anything that they should be flagged on. Unreal, um, fair play that, to you. God, that's, so, that's some effort. I can imagine <laughs> the amount of people who are availing of it. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, making four years is a long time. And I think people don't realise that you have four years to go back. So if there is anything that you forgot to include, even like not paying tax, but the other side claiming a tax credit for medical expenses, college fees, anything, just, yeah, fix it in the right time. Totally. I think because even especially if you are a, a PAYE employee where your employer looks after your taxes, I think a, a lot of people don't even realise that you can claim tax back on various expenses that you've incurred, like the likes of doctor's appointments, um, prescriptions that you've paid for. So a lot of people can be missing out on money there. Exactly. Yeah. And we did a really good post on it um, just around Christmas and all the credits that you're avail- like you can avail of. 
especially working from home, which is obviously the big one since COVID. So yeah, definitely have a look through and see maybe there is one that you forgot about and claim it and never know how much tax you do that. Totally, because I find even some of them can be very random. You're kind of like, oh God, I didn't know that like, that you were able to claim tax back on this or that. Yeah, there is a long list um, actually. So yeah, it, it does take a bit of time to just get through everything. And even like for receipts, like for example, um, instead of like having to hold the physical receipt, just take a picture of a receipt every time you pay and put it in a folder on your phone and then following January or February have a look through and just it's so much easier than you know having a folder somewhere with receipts that you forget about or lose and just take a picture because that's actually all you need you just need a photo that you don't need the actual physical document anymore yeah very good and one thing I've kind of found as I've gone from college into the working world and whatever else is you're kind of you go from student to adult really quick and you're hit with a lot of talk that you can often let go over your head but I think it's important to tune into things that are mentioned by employers like pensions and stuff but I think it can kind of scare a lot of people because some people like some people don't even know what a pension entails or what it involves and they kind of just sign up to it without realizing so just kind of in that area, would you mind like explaining to people in particular, there's two main types of pension plans, which would, which would be defined benefit and defined contribution, but defined contribution have become a lot more prevalent recently amongst employers. Would you mind just kind of explaining to people the tax behind defined contribution pensions and what they involve and just explaining a little on them? Yeah, so basically a pension is the biggest tax relief you can get. You're putting money away right now and it depends on whatever pension scheme you're in. But usually you can start getting a pension from 50, 55 or 60. State pension is currently about 203 euro a week, which is not much um, when you think oh, about Jesus, it. No. <laughs> um, and the way inflation is going at the moment, you just don't know what life is going to be like 20, 40 years down the line. Pension is basically a savings account and you get a tax relief based on your age and the limit. So whatever salary you're on. I think the minimum is 50, 15% up to 30. And then obviously the older you are, the larger tax credit you can get. And then when you retire, you can get up to 200,000 tax free. And then anything over that will be taxed as normal, like pay YE. Um, in terms of defined benefit and defined contribution, a defined contribution is what most PYE people would be on. It's you putting a certain percentage of your salary away every month. And then usually your employer will match it or there might be a limit of 5% that they'd match. But you can always put more than that. So that's a defined contribution because it's a defined amount that you're putting away every single month. But you don't know what your pension amount is going to be when you retire. So that's obviously whatever investment funds you're in, the risks involved, how much the pension provider is going to take. And it's very uncertain amount. Whereas a defined benefit is basically where you are told the amount you're going to get when you retire. And it's basically broken down. So the amount that you want to get when you're 60, and they'll just divide it by how many months you have left until you retire, how many years, and what salary you're on. So because your salary could be going up and down, up and down, 
you might be paying more at the moment and then it'll go down. But you will know exactly the amount you're going to get when you retire. And because 200,000 is a tax-free amount, you might just want 200,000, that's it. So that's the main differences. And then obviously there's different kind of pension schemes. If you're in the civil service, they have a more complex structure. And then if you're just a sole trader, you just set up your own pension, which you can do as well. And then the other thing is you can pay a certain amount each month. And then when you're doing your tax return, you can just do a lump sum payment to get the maximum tax credits that you are allowed for that year. So you can just literally save a certain amount and just transfer it as a lump sum and you will still get the credit in your tax return. Okay, very interesting. And to clarify for people, tax credits, like I know, would you mind just expanding on that a small bit and just explain to them what is a tax credit? Yeah, so a tax credit is basically just you pay a certain amount of tax every month, every week, but you have allocated tax bands. I know it's gone up just recently. I think it's 36,800. So that's allocated between the 12 months of the year. And then if you claim a pension or medical, work from home, any other tax credit, those tax credits are increased by that amount. So then the tax amount that you were paying is slightly reduced. It depends. It can be a large amount or it can be a small amount. But at the end of the day, you're paying less tax. And I think that's the main benefit. Very interesting. And just even just from a personal point of view, I'm just wondering, and when you spoke about the the 200,000. Yeah, so it depends. If you have more than 200,000, you might be able to get full 200,000 tax-free and then leave the rest in. Um, It just depends kind of where you are at that stage and And what options you have to take out as much as you can tax-free and then leave the rest in so that you're getting regular monthly payments as well. Yeah, and then just in terms of if you take out more than that, is it the standard rate that applies, which would be the 20% or is it the 40% tax that you pay? Yeah, so it'll be your marginal tax rates. There is kind of different pension schemes who might be slightly higher than 40%, but in general, it'll just be your marginal tax rate. So the whatever, 36,000 would be at 20%, then anything over that will be 40%. Okay, cool. And then uh, you touched on it slightly there, even the difference in being a sole trader and putting money into your pension and being employed as a PAYE worker and putting money into your pension and all that. And to date on the series, we've had a lot of people who've been on the podcast and they've been self-employed. So some of them have just been sole traders, which to people it's just someone it's a different way in which you can run your company so you can either be incorporated or you can be a sole trader so by incorporating you're a registered company and it just has varying implications in a lot of different ways i don't know if you can explain it better i'm not too sure but <laughs> like <laughs> it's actually a hard one to define like i know with a sole trader of course like there's unlimited liability versus that with a company there's limited liability so that you're not personally left responsible for any debts that the company might might incur and things mm-hmm. like that if you wouldn't mind explaining briefly to people you could probably do a better job than me <laughs> on the difference between the two and therefore as a result the different tax implications for people who either incorporate as a company or decide to remain as a sole trader 
Mm-hmm. But you did a good job there. Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> basically, a sole trader just works for themselves. If they want to earn more profit, they'll work more. If they want to earn less, they'll work less. Basically, they just earn everything that they work for. And then they'll do their taxes at the end of the year under the income tax system. Their tax is the normal PAYE. So you, you're playing the marginal rates of 20% and 40%. Now, before the tax credits for self-employed were slightly less than PAYE, but I think it's two years ago now, all the tax credits are the same, whether you're PAYE or you're self-employed, so there is no difference there anymore. So that's sole trader. Then if you incorporate and you're a company, your trading income is taxed at 12.5%, and that's the trade that you would have done if you were a sole trader. But if you're earning income such as rental income, investment income, anything that's not to do with your main trade, you're taxed at 25%. So people do forget that. A lot of the questions we actually get is, can I just set up a company and rent out a property that way? But you're setting up a company to invest, which is rental income. So you're not going to be liable to 12.5%. You're going to be at the higher 25%. And with a company, it's, a totally different game ball and um, there's a lot of company filings that you have to do with the CRO uh, you're obliged to prepare financial accounts every year it's just it's more complex it's not as easy I would say as oh I'll just set up a company for my business there's a lot more involved and a lot more costs involved as well so if you're just starting out as a trader a company would not be the ideal kind of step up you do kind of have to work your way up to it it might be something more suitable if there's a few of you involved that are a part-time employee even but a sole trader is probably what the vast majority of people are in ireland just because it's simpler and you do you, you can do everything yourself as well and you can deduct all the expenses that you incur for your business so you are like there is quite a lot there that you can deduct which will obviously reduce your tax burden at the end of the day and does that kind of answer it oh definitely (laughs) yeah like I know what you mean that like a lot of people can think it's much easier than what it sounds and because like let's say company profits or money earned is taxed at 12.5 percent whereas a sole trader's um, profits are classed as income and therefore can be taxable at the higher rate of 40 percent like people can think oh I'll just go and set up a company but it's like you said there's a lot of like legal implications and very other factors to consider for people rather than just going and doing it yeah definitely and even let's say you set up a company how are you going to get the money out of the company you're either going to pay yourself a salary which will be taxed anyway or you'll be uh, paying out a dividend which is also taxed so you don't want to be double taxed in a way (laughs) um so you do have to think about it it's not just yeah as simple as it sounds yeah cool and as well throughout um the past few episodes we've had one or two people who've recently set up businesses and like that COVID-19 kind of encouraged a lot of people to branch out and kind of do their own thing follow their interests and stuff so are there any reliefs that you know about or can recommend for like small business startups at the minute or like small companies that are just kind of getting underway? Yeah there is a relief called start up your own business relief and that would give you I think it's an income tax an exemption for up to 40,000 a year. So it is quite good. Now, there are certain conditions involved. Um, I think you have to be kind of 
long term unemployed and then go into setting up your own business. But the other side of it is a lot of grants and aids are available from Enterprise Ireland. And I think it all depends on where you're located as well. There's loads of grants that you can get when you're setting up something like that. For tax, it does change every year. And during COVID, there wasn't really that much given to people who set up. And that's probably why you see so many businesses have closed down. Um, in reality, like it's, yeah, it's not a good area to start up in at the moment. <laughs> For people as well you touched on it slightly in the beginning when you mentioned like that people might have various side hustles or various sources of income and i suppose they might think that because their PAYE income is looked after and that their employer looks after their tax that that's that but obviously then they actually have to dec- go and declare that extra income themselves so in terms of paying and filing can you just explain to people like the difference between paying and filing and the various dates in which they might have to do that yeah, so for, we'll just take example 2021. For this, for 2021, your tax is not due till the 31st of October 2022. So you have basically eight months um, and there's usually a two-week extension as well. It was extended a bit more during COVID, but January 31st of October. And by that date, you need to file an income tax return, sending out all your income and expenses for 2021. And you must also pay the tax arising on that date. You can make a return for 2021, let's say in, I don't know, April, May, and then pay the tax at a later stage, if that suits you more. But if you need to have both filed and paid by the 31st of October, Otherwise, penalties and interest will arise, which is per day. So you'll be paying more and more the later you leave it. Cool. Yeah, no, you're so right. Um, I think that was that was one thing that definitely shocked me is when I learned the interest that applies to some of those things. Once you start to let them build up per day, it can get quite expensive for people who might be a bit unaware. And then various other things people would have touched on as well is like the rental income. And a lot of people now are getting into like passive forms of income and they might have a house that they inherited or they might have went out and bought a house that they are now renting out to other people. So the taxes imposed on people can be quite different depending on the class or the type of income that they earn and there's various different factors. So can you just explain to people how tax is charged for your rental income? Yeah, of course. So rental income is, there's two. So you can either rent a room out and then you're entitled to rent a room relief, which is 14,000 per year. Or if you're renting out a whole house, you're taxable on the full net amount. And basically, it's similar as I just mentioned before. If you're earning less than 5000 you just include that on your my account. And there's a specific area for rental income. Or if you're earning more than 5000 you need to register for income tax and declare it that way. And it's still same date applies 31st October. Rental income, there is a lot of expenses that you can deduct to get at the final figure. There's a huge list and it's available on Revenue's website. And it could be anything from if you're getting a gardener to cut the bushes, to painting, everything. So yeah, just I think the most important thing there is just to keep the receipts of everything so that you can justify your deduction at the end of the year. 
Yeah, definitely. And because I know the upkeep in a in a house is just crazy. So for anyone that is renting out, it is very handy to know that expenses can be deducted before your tax is charged and stuff. It's very important to highlight to people the impact of tax and your geographical location. Like I know that this is obviously very specific and is different for every individual, but in terms of people who might go away and buy houses or like rent out houses that they own and then move abroad mm-hmm. in general like what are the what is the situation for people in that who decide to do that who decide to move abroad and then have their house located in Ireland and are renting it out um because i know tax changes and the legislation changes for those scenarios yeah and you're 100% right there So in Ireland, anything that's land-based is taxable in Ireland. So basically, if you are renting out a house, room, anything in Ireland, anything to do with the land, it'll be taxed in Ireland, regardless of your residency. So even if you're tax resident in Spain, your rental income in Ireland will always be taxable in Ireland. And Similarly, if you're living in another country, you might be taxed on that income in that country as well. So we always say people who are tax resident elsewhere to seek advice in their own country. A lot of people forget that point. It could be taxed in two countries and you just get then a relief for the tax paid in one country for the you know for the tax due you're in the other country that you might be living in. And then there's also the double tax treaty that you'd always be referred to to double check where the taxing rights are located. But regardless, Irish income, rental income is always taxable in Ireland. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was very surprised to learn that as well. I Because I think it, it's so easy for people to kind of not consider the tax implications of things when they kind of make their plans. And it can actually be a massive factor in, like you said, even deciding where to go because each country where you might decide to relocate is has got specific legislation on what you will be paying on then should that person we're kind of going through the life cycle of a property but should people then decide to sell that property i know capital gains tax can be incurred on that particularly if it's not of course your principal private residence like your your sole house that you live in if it's like that a house that you use to earn a passive income so can you just kind of touch slightly on capital gains and any other taxes that might apply when selling a property? Yeah, so similar as Irish rental income, if you sell any Irish property, it's taxable in Ireland, regardless of your residency position. It's because they're under a term called specified assets. There's kind of two main reliefs, which is principal private residence, as if you live in the property. And then the other one is if you bought the house between, let's say, 2011 and 2014 and you held it for a certain amount of time, it could be fully tax-free as well. They're the main two reliefs. And if you don't fall into any of them, you're in the 33% bracket on the gain that you make. So that's the difference between what you're selling the house for and what you paid for it. And then obviously, if you did an extension or renovation or spent any considerable amount kind of upgrading the house which you can see at the end like it can't say there's a pool and you took out the pool but that's you know it's an amount it's actually a case on that you can't take something like that you need to put something into the value of the house you can take a deduction for that and then i mean yeah 
profit is 32%, which is quite a large amount. So, yeah, taking all the deductions that you can is, yeah, really important in that area. It's funny you say that. It just goes to show, like, how specific tax is in that light, that the argument of a pool whether whether it's classified as expenditure on your house or not and is therefore deductible um that's very funny that you say that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's mad especially now everyone obviously is selling their property and at such high amounts and they might have i know bought the house at such a low amount and the difference that they're getting is then one third of it's just gone to tax it could be really heartbreaking at the same time I know because people don't realize I had someone say to me recently about how they had they were inheriting money and I was oh that's brilliant and then they heard about capital acquisitions tax they were just saying it's crazy like they can't believe how much they were losing like that again 33 percent yeah or like I know sorry I interrupted you (laughs) I was just about to say like I know there's certain thresholds and whatever else and exceptions and all that but in general yeah it is crazy that people might be aware of the specific scenarios that they find themselves in and what tax applies yeah definitely it's definitely something a solicitor let's say when they're doing the conveyancing should make you aware of but it's not their kind of role to tell you how much you have to pay so it's something that you kind of have to look into yourself if you haven't got advice in it before a thousand percent yeah a lot of what i've seen throughout covid and throughout the past year or so and you'd see the hype on social media about investing and loads of people going into stocks and shares and just kind of experimenting and like that again it's just important for people to realize the tax implications of that and i know i've i've actually had one or two people ask me where they've said oh like They've put money into a stock and the stock is currently um, earning a, a profit. So it's earning more than what they originally put in. So they're like, oh, have I to pay tax on that? And I'm like, no, not until the gain is realized. So essentially not until the share is sold. So can you just kind of, I suppose, explain to people when they sell stocks and shares, when when is the tax charge triggered for them? Yeah, definitely. And I agree with you. I think the zero trading two and two everyone joined them at some stage during the pandemic everyone got into investing and then six months into line you realize oh this is actually taxable one thing to note so when you buy a share let's say every share is taking in isolation so even let's say you you bought one share for 50 and then the next share for 100 that's their base cost if their base cost is not averaged between the two and then 75 it still remains 50 for one and 100 year for the other one does that make does that yeah does that make sense no and a lot of people yeah so on digero it's our your base cost is average and you think wow you're making so much money but every share has to take is taken in isolation what people then do is they just take the average amount what they got and the average amount what they paid and that's their net gain or net loss but that's that's actually incorrect so every share it should be taken in isolation and deducted from whatever the base cost is. And that can be very time consuming, especially if you have crypto or bought so many shares in something. Yeah, you have to be really careful on that to make sure you're not underpaying your CGT. Totally. So what you're saying is similar to 
the way we were speaking earlier about tracking your expenses throughout the year so that you can claim back. Mm. You need to be tracking your shares as you invest to know how much you spent on each share that you purchased as opposed to looking to them as a whole. Exactly, yeah. And I think, I know Desire anyway, they just average your base cost so you don't really realise what you paid for each one. And obviously everyone's, you've probably heard of buy the dip, buy the dip. But it doesn't matter because every share is taking its own base cost and it's just something to be mindful. We all always recommend if you're going to be investing in shares, set up a spreadsheet and just literally put in what you paid for it on what date and in what currency. Because the other thing is, if you buy something in US dollars, it's converted as of that date and not, you know, whatever, the most efficient FX rate that you might think during the year it has to be as of that date so keeping a good record of what you're buying and selling throughout the year would really help you and just preparing for that end of year calculation and checking that you have everything yeah no 100 that's great advice and then just in terms of like that when people have invested in shares particularly i suppose a lot of hype around things like meta and tesla and all those what are the tax implications for those single shares that they decide to invest in because they're obviously american based but they're living in ireland like how does that work for people yeah so any shares you buy is an investment an investment is liable to 33 percent so you do have a personal exemption and that's 1270 a year. So the first, I guess, 1270 of every chargeable gain, you just deduct. And you could be under that every year and that's great. You've managed it really well. But in most cases, it's just you're reducing your chargeable gain by that much and then multiply by 33%. For Tesla, I, like in general, American dividends, there is a certain withholding tax that they might apply. It depends if you they know that you're a foreign investor or you could be a US investor. It just depends. Usually there is some sort of withholding tax and it applies in Ireland as well. So, students. No, not at all. Sorry. I, my, my. No, but it's equally as relevant because people who have shares in various companies might receive dividends. So that was actually one of my questions to you as well, was the difference between taxes on profits that people earn through the sale of their shares and then taxes they pay on the profits they receive from a company having invested. Yeah, so when you sell a share, that's liable to 3%. And then if you're just getting dividends throughout the year, that's just taxed like your normal income and you have to include it on your my account and then it's subject to your marginal rates. So it could be taxed at 40%. But then if you're getting with, usually what happens is the company will withhold a certain amount of tax from your dividend. So usually you'll get a share kind of voucher or whatever dividend. It's usually electronic um, these days. And then I'll just tell you the amount of tax that was actually withhold before they paid out the dividend to you. And you can put that amount into my account and they'll it will be taken into account that you are, you know, you've not gone the full amount in your bank account. But it's also very important to keep track of that as well, obviously, because you could be getting a lot of dividend payments throughout the year. And it depends if it's on Tejeri, you can easily just download a statement. But if it's just something in work or just an ad hoc, you do have to track it yourself because you might get a little payment there and you didn't even notice. Totally, yeah. And then in terms of money that you receive 
through dividends like that like like you said that's taxed with your income so I presume that's paid in files similar to your income on the 31st of October mm-hmm. of each yeah, year that's but yeah. then because the profits earned on shares are liable to CGT then they're ta- they're paid and filed differently yeah so CGT is a bit different so between January and November that deadline's the 15th of December. So that's a really quick turnaround because if you think about it, you sold something on the 29th of November, two weeks later, the 15th of December, the tax is due. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people might avoid, even if you just sell it in December, you kind of have more time then to pay the tax, which is the 30th of January. So yeah, it is important to bear in mind that there's two filing dates for CHT compared to just one for income tax. And then if you're actually registered for income tax, you only need to make a payment by those dates and you do the filing, which is uh, setting out the details of what you sold in your return the following year. So it's a bit less, a bit less of work there, but you still have to calculate the tax due. So you're doing the calculation anyway in those timeframes. And then because that's CGT, then you deduct the 1270, which you had mentioned from Mm -hmm. the profits you've earned through selling shares. And then, like you said, the dividends earned from a company that are taxable under income tax. Mm -hmm. Is there any exemptions for them or credits or reliefs or, you know what I mean? Like even in terms of, I know for employee income or money received through your employment, of course, there's a PAYE credit. Um, of 1700 annually so in terms of dividends earned then is there any credits available from that respect there is the withholding tax but it's a tax that is just taken away at the start totally. and then you, you get it back but dividends shares they're all considered very in the prestige area so if you're afford like if you can afford shares and dividends, yeah, you're just going to be taxing them. There's absolutely no, <laughs> no release available to you. And you t- Hi guys, so this is just a quick little insert clip to let you know that since this conversation actually took place, Revenue published guidance on cryptocurrency specifically. So I've included the revenue link below for any part of this conversation, which maybe seems outdated or it might not include the most recent information. So if you just scroll to the description on this particular podcast, you'll see the link. Touched on it slightly there earlier as well, where you mentioned cryptocurrency. And of course, everyone had jumped on that bandwagon last year and was riding the wave. And I know it's, I'm not like, I'm not too up to date with the specific tax legislation for cryptocurrency so just kind of i suppose a general knowledge for people who might have money invested what is the current taxing system for cryptocurrency and even going forward like how would you see it being taxed in the future yeah crypto is definitely a very interesting topic area at the moment <laughs> and revenue did actually release a manual on it there recently so it's definitely on the radar and the way they viewed it as as investment basically for the majority of people it will just be taxed at 33 percent on the profits that you make then there's people who could be trading all day and then that's considered a trade if you're literally sitting on a computer and you know buying and selling for a few hours every day that's a trade and that would be it is a very borderline case but you could be taxed at 12.5 percent or 25 percent 
depending. But for the most majority, it's an investment. And it'll be taxed at 33%. And then similar, as I said before, it's so important to just track what you're buying it for and what you're selling it for. There is obviously lows and highs, but yeah, it's definitely an area to be careful in. And I know now there's some different types of cryptos who pay you a certain amount each month just for holding the crypto. Things called polka dot. So there is questions there of whether you're receiving sort of like a dividend payment every month basically for holding the crypto. Yeah, um, I see what you mean. It's it's a different sort of league in its own way. Um it's I it's interesting revenue haven't released anything on that point yet of whether it's are you trading because you're earning income so regularly or is it an investment and that whatever amount you get at the end is going to be what you're actually getting paid so yeah it's definitely an area to be up to date with and see what revenue come out with and i think so many people have invested in crypto it's so important to know it is actually taxable bear in mind the deadline dates as well because I think four years down the line, <laughs> revenue will be checking those bank accounts. No, you're so right. And like you said, it can really come back to bite you, that whole four-year span thing. <laughs> you could yeah. think you're in the clear and then all of a sudden. <laughs> this is kind of my last and final question. You've been so helpful and so informative and definitely so many people will benefit from listening to this. I think as well at the minute, there's a lot of people living in Dubai and I myself am just fascinated because obviously Dubai is a tax-free country. So a lot of people who've moved from Ireland and relocated there are earning money there, um, but might still be classed as ordinarily resident in Ireland and are more than likely to be deemed domiciles in Ireland. So I suppose just for people who don't understand those three areas, would you mind just expanding on firstly, resident, ordinarily resident, resident and domiciles? And then just kind of going into the tax and how that applies for Dubai in particular, just because there's a lot of Irish people there. So in order to become tax resident, you need to be present in the country for 183 days per year or 280 days between two years. So that's about six months a year. And you'd be amazed how people structure to make sure they're exactly 182 (laughs) or 180 days here and there. And um, that's the residence. Then ordinary resident is where you've been resident for three years in Ireland. And similarly, you will become non-ordinary resident if you've become non-resident for three years. So it kind of resident or your resident are kind of tied in together. Then there's domiciled, which is basically it depends on what your father's domiciled is. It's the old kind of tax way. Usually it's the way they look at it it's where you're kind of set it's where your house is it's where where you want to be buried basically <laughs> like where do you <laughs> where do you see kind of your link to the mostly and you can change domicile you, you can be irish and move to america and you realize you, you know you're married and have a house there and you've set up there and that can be your domicile but you can always be you can have different tax residents on domicile and be non-ordinary resident like the tree differ all the time and that's very possible too if you're Irish tax resident and Irish domicile you are taxed on all your income regardless of what country it's from so you're taxed on the worldwide income 
then if you're tax resident and non-domiciled, you'll be just taxed or on tax on Irish source income, kind of any income you earn while in Ireland, could be trading, employment, anything to do with Ireland. And then if you're non-resident, non-domiciled, non-order resident, you're going to be only taxed on Irish source income like rent income and think land based and um, those are kind of a high level of the tree yeah no that was a um, summary fair play to you <laughs> yeah Dubai um, yeah it's interesting that you mentioned that because they're just this week or last two weeks anyway they've uh, come out that they're going to introduce corporation tax so it'll be interesting to see if they will start introducing something on a personal level as well because I definitely um see coming <laughs> so it's getting uh, too out of hand I guess but um, yeah a lot of people move to Dubai and as teachers or financial releases and then they might come to Ireland well they return to Ireland a few years down the line and there is certain rules about let's say you've saved so much money abroad and then you're moving to Ireland and what's like are you taxed on that it really depends if you're domiciled or resident or what's your tax kind of situation but in general if you lived abroad and you worked abroad any kind of income that you bring with you is not taxed but it depends as well when you bring it into ireland let's say you're an irish tax resident and you have an account in dubai and you're just transferring money to you every like every month that would be taxable but if you're moving to Ireland and you just bring like a capital sum or like a deposit prize, that's not taxable. There's different rules and um, it is kind of a complex area to say the least because it also depends like what bank account are you bringing it from? Like is it a current account? Is it a savings account? It does get very technical. Wow, um, yeah, geez, there's a lot to that. I didn't realise. <laughs> yeah, and then I think there's a general kind of device that if you're moving abroad, have like different bank accounts for all your let's say employment income earned abroad and then any income that you already have in Ireland to keep everything separate so you, it's very clear of what you earned abroad and what you earned in Ireland just to make sure that you're not kind of stuck in any tax implications down the line just yeah keep everything separate would be the general kind of advice yeah yeah no totally so i presume like obviously employment income earned over there while you're there and living there is obviously not taxable annually in ireland but like you said then if you're bringing home a lump sum dependent on the different circumstances it may or may not be taxable yeah it just depends like if you only gone maybe for six months you're still tax like you're still resident in ireland so you will be taxed but if you're gone for 10 years or something, then it's you're in a different kind of area and nothing you bring will be taxed. It just depends. And that's the, I think that's the other thing. Tax, it's all very personal. Yeah. Everyone's situation is different and it just depends on the source of the income, the person's individual residency position. Yeah, it's very personal, tailored. Yeah, definitely. I know. And that's why it can be so hard for people in the area of tax, like you said, mm-hmm. like when you're like, you could be as up to date as you want, but to be able to apply it to like specific individuals, there's a lot to it <laughs> and there's a lot to consider. 
but um yeah that's that's kind of everything I think like we really picked your brain there <laughs> and this hour of the night now I'm sure you're absolutely exhausted and done more than enough thinking for the day um so thanks so much for coming on and chatting oh my pleasure and if anyone has any tax queries at all do get in touch we're on Instagram TikTok and we're answering emails as well so yeah anything we can help with (laughs)